Good morning, Mercy Culture. Soon and very soon, we won't have this right here. It always cracks me up. It's literally right in the middle. Anyways, I told them one time to just take a picture of me, put my face right here, and then I could just preach like this. All right, welcome to the tent. It's good to have you this morning. Right through, this is our temporary home. Right through those doors right there is our permanent location that we are currently working on and remodeling. And we are right on schedule, guys. We're so excited. There's been so much advancement happened in the last couple of weeks. So we should be in there in just a few short weeks. My name is Les. This is, and her, our mic isn't on. This is my wife, Nikki. And we're the lead pastors here at Mercy Culture Waco. There we go. Such a pleasure to see you guys this morning. The vision of Mercy Culture Church is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. And what that means is simply that we know that if you can hear the voice of the Lord and obey what he tells you to do, that there is no way that you can fail. And the way that we hear God's voice is by building an intimate relationship with the Lord. And we build intimacy through daily encounters. And that means that it's not just enough to have great worship services like we had this morning. Can we thank our worship team for leading us into his presence this morning? It's such a great job. And it's not just enough to have those great corporate encounters with God, but we need a daily personal relationship with the Lord. And we know that there's only one way to God, and that is through his son, Jesus. Jesus is the only way to the Lord. But in Jesus, there are many different ways to connect with God. And you saw the video of Audra earlier talking about adoration as the way that she connects with the Lord. And some people connect with God through solitude, and others connect with God through movement. When you're running on the trail, you connect with God, and others connect with God in many different ways, and we want to help you discover how you best connect with the Lord, and then help you to develop a plan, a way to encounter God's presence every single day, because if, uh, if you're going to do anything well, you've got to do it with intentionality, and building a relationship with God is the same. We've got to be intentional about building that relationship. So we want to help you do that. Just text the, text the word CONNECT to 59090, and a link will be sent to you. It's such a pleasure to see you guys this morning. We are doing today things a little bit differently. We are doing a relationship Q&A this morning. Yeah. And that's, we don't normally do this. We don't normally sit down on the stage and, and have church like this. But once a year, we take some time and hear from you guys on some of your questions surrounding relationship, dating, marriage, all that stuff. It happens to be Valentine's this week. I hope none of the men's eyes got really big just then. Pulling out your phone, start looking on Yelp, trying to make a reservation. Hope you already did that. But it's Valentine's this week, so it's a great week to dive into this. If you're single or if you're married, we hope that you gain wisdom in this time and that you, you get some tools to help you either build a better relationship in your marriage or build up to a great marriage in your life one day. Uh, quick announcement. We are so excited. Next Sunday, Pastor Jasmine Wheeler will be with us next Sunday. Pastor Jasmine is our worship pastor at our Fort Worth campus, and she's going to bless this house. We know that she will. Um, how many of you were here last week for Vision Sunday? It was an incredible weekend where we announced uh, so many initiatives for this house for 2023. If you weren't here, go to our podcast, Mercy Culture Waco, wherever you get your podcast, and search for that and listen to all of the exciting things that we're going to be doing here next year. But one of the big ones was we are launching our spiritual leadership school right here in Waco. Let's go. Yeah. Yes. So Mercy Culture SLS has been in Fort Worth for the last couple of years, and we are bringing it here to Waco, and we're so excited about that. If you are interested in more information, you can text SLS Waco, one word, to 59090, uh, and you get that information sent back to you. You can text the word notes to that same number and get our notes here today sent back to you. So as we dive in this morning on this Q&A, I want to just take a minute before we get started and talk about shame, because some of the concepts and the things that we're going to talk about, most of us have missed the mark at some point in our lives. I think it was just yesterday we were, we had a kind of a long drive and we were talking and our girls were recounting 
a story of their youngest sister, our four-year-old Georgia. I don't know where they heard this song, but there's some song from some cartoon, and they'll say, you're such a hypocrite. And so they say it all the time. So we happen to be in Granbury, Texas, downtown, on a little vacation. And we're sitting outside eating ice cream. Nikki's inside some store shopping. And I'm sitting with Georgia. She's four years old. A lady walks by, and she yells out at her, you're a hypocrite. Yeah, I was mortified. And the woman just stops. She looks over, and she goes, well, she's not wrong. It was great. Her friend about fell off the sidewalk laughing so hard. And so one of the girls said, what does hypocrite mean? And my other daughter said, well, it means when you make a rule and then you break it. And I said, no, that's not what hypocrite means. That is called a human being. So you're not a hypocrite if you have a set of rules and ideals that you don't always live up to. You're just a human being, right? You're just a human. And so I want to free you from that. And, and so we just pray right now. Yes. Father, we just pray against shame and guilt and condemnation. We declare the word of the Lord that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, as we dive into these complicated and sometimes nuanced topics, we come against every spirit but the Holy Spirit. We bind the spirit of shame and we release the conviction power of the Holy Spirit that calls us higher to higher heights and deeper depths with you yes. and a higher place of righteousness and holiness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, baby, you want to share our story just a little bit? Yes. So we have, I feel like we have a great story. <laughs> um, when we first met, I actually came to his family's church and had a boyfriend when I showed up. <laughs> he loves to say, where is he now? He's not around. Um, <laughs> thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Yes. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Um, but anyways, I came to his family's church and the Lord was, had me in a place where I was trying to find who I was and what my value was as a daughter of the most high King. And the Lord had me in this like fork in the road. Was I going to stay with this guy, marry him, go to church on Easter and Christmas and kind of that be my journey? Or was I going to give everything to the Lord and allow him to take me down the, the path that he wanted to take me down? And so I broke up with my boyfriend and I gave the Lord everything that I had. And in that season, in that time, um, it happened to be <laughs> Pastor Les's birthday. And so we go to this birthday event that he had and I offered, I was like, I'll take you home. Him and I were really great friends. I'm like, I'll take you home. So on our way home, I go drive by his house and I go to lean in and give him a big hug and tell him happy birthday. And he lays one on me. <laughs> Just a big old kiss. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, what in the world just happened? I have no idea what we just happened. We don't recommend doing that. Yes. Do Although, that. it worked for me. It worked. <laughs> it did work. It worked. But we were friends a long time. And again, the boyfriend was gone by that point. Yeah. So she had a boyfriend, which I, I don't think, yeah, he's gone. Yeah. yeah. But I remember she came in and auditioned. I was the worship pastor at our church. She came in and auditioned um, and she's for the worship team, and she sang Alabaster Box. You know that song? The old C.C. Wynas, Alabaster Box. As soon as she sang it, I said, I'm going to marry this girl. <laughs> and then some time went on. We became good friends. The boyfriend was gone. And we <laughs> continued to be friends. We were great friends for about a year and, um, and then we started dating. And before I ever asked her on our first date, I knew that the Lord uh, had told me that this was my wife. Then why'd you break up with me? Oh, wow. Wait a second. He's getting wow. ahead of the story. <laughs> Go ahead. You've opened the can of worms. We hadn't gone on our first date, so let me clarify that. We were talking and kind of flirting. And then all of a sudden, he decided that he didn't really want to date me. But what was really awesome was that I had been on this journey with the Lord. And so he showed me exactly who I was. And I'm like, you know what? That's fine. That's fine if you don't want to date me. I know who I am. I know whose I am. And the Lord's going to bring the right one along for me. So I continued to go by and pick up his brother and go hang out with him. And I show up to the house. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and 
tell that part. You can tell yeah, that part. Yeah, you showed up to the house. I don't know. <laughs> no, she didn't just show up. She came hair popping, makeup on, clothes. I mean, I opened the door. I was like, hello. My brother's much younger me. than me, and she was, work, she was you know, still hanging out with, with him and taking him to do something you do with little kids. I don't know. Arcades. Get him some ice cream something like or that. something. Pizza. <laughs> and, uh... She blew me away. And anyways, I, I made a stupid <laughs> mistake that she never, ever lets me live down. We broke up for a very brief period of time. Like but three days. Yeah, He three called days. me the next day. I did. I did. I rectified that mistake. Little cold feet, gentlemen. Little cold feet. But we went out on our first date. 30 days later, we were engaged. Five months after that, we were married. And that is uh, 20 years this November. It's been 20 years. 20 years, five kids later, I think it worked out. I think it worked out. Again, well, we don't... Well, I know how it worked out. I made him a really amazing lunch, took him on a picnic. She did. And you know his connect with Godway is food. <laughs> We're through with the fast, guys. Woo! Anybody, did anybody just connect with God in a whole new way when you broke your fast this week? 40 days, liquid only, <laughs> Friday night. I fa- Ooh, I broke the fast, but the real... I. I I acquiesced and did what our friends wanted to do. But on Saturday, we went to Papacitos, my favorite Mexican food place. If you're like, that's not real Mexican food, I don't want to hear from you. I know. I like real Mexican food, too, but there's something about Papacitos fajitas. Don't garlic butter. I don't care what you think. I like it. They got the garlic butter dipping sauce and the, the see, chips and salsa. God my God. You see him? He is feeling the Lord right I now. I connected with God in a whole new way. <laughs> but, yeah, she cooked for me, and, and that, that sealed the deal. It was over. But when we were preparing for marriage, we did not do all of the things that I would recommend and that we recommend to young people to do today. We were not prepared, as prepared for marriage as we should have been. And when you know better, you do better. But we had, we, we had not learned how to fully lead ourselves yet. So we were in no place to be entering into that type of relationship. Now, no, it is not like Cinderella where you say yeah. the end and then they just float off into the distance and live in a bliss. Yeah, it, it's hard work. And that first couple of years of marriage, were, were uh, they were difficult. <laughs> and we had some intense fellowship yes. over that period of time. Yes. And we had to work through some stuff that we hope that you can gain some wisdom from our story that if you're not married yet, you can work through before you get into a relationship. So the first point, if you are yet to enter into a relationship, the first thing that you have to learn to do is to hear from God. We got a lot of questions about how do I find my spouse and should I be looking for a spouse? Should I just wait for somebody to just pop up? What do I do to find that person that I'm supposed to marry? The number one piece of advice we can give you is to have a daily encounter. If you've been around Mercy Culture, you, that's like our answer for everything. Yep. Do you know why? Because it's the answer for everything. It is. Because it encountering the Lord and having a relationship with God and learning to hear the voice of God can fix everything in your life. And I know that sounds like an oversimplification. It is simple, but it is not simplistic. Those are two totally different things. Encountering the Lord and hearing God's voice is the answer to all of your yes. problems. Yes, yes. How do you find a spouse? You encounter the Lord. You have a daily encounter. How do you fix your marriage? You have a daily encounter. Because when I go to God and I start complaining about her, he always tells me about myself. <laughs> Every single time. Can I get an amen from anybody? Amen. Go, amen. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> amen. We got this on recording. Now, you go to the Lord, and I'm bringing to God all this stuff. And I can't believe she did this, and I can't believe she did that. And God begins to convict me. And starts to convict my heart and begin to change my heart. And what happens? Our marriage becomes stronger because we're both having daily encounters with God. The second thing is, whoever it is that you think God has called you to marry, if they're not having a daily encounter with God, he has not called you to marry them. Can you say that again? (laughs) I said, whoever it is that you think God has called you to marry, if they are not having daily encounters, you are not called to marry that person. Marriage is difficult enough when both of you are seeking the will of the Father. But when one or none of you are seeking the will of the Father, I can't even imagine. One of the wisest things his grandpa used to say was that God never promised us a rose garden, but with the Lord walking with us through it, he makes everything easy in his presence. 
no matter what you walk through. That's right. And when you're pursuing, when you, if you feel God has called you into marriage, you must be intentional about that pursuit. So I, I ask people questions a lot. I love to, to talk to people, get to know people. When I talk to young people, one of the things that I ask them often, if they're not married, is would you like to be married one day? And what I hear the most common response is, if it happens. Sure, if it happens, right? If it shows up. What they're saying is, I'm not being intentional about my pursuit of a spouse. Mm. We're just hoping that maybe somebody will show up. But you've got to prepare yourself mentally, spiritually, and physically to find the spouse that God's called for you. And nowhere in the Bible does it say, should I get married? There's not one scripture that says that. As a matter of fact, it says... What? You're talking about children, but there is. Yes, I'm sorry, I'm talking about some children. Some people are called to get married, and some people are called oh, to be right. single. He's right, actually. Yeah, I know what you're thinking of. But sorry, I was thinking a different line. If you are called by God to be married, and you feel that call of the Holy Spirit into that life, then you have to prepare yourself in every single way to pursue marriage. You can't just wait um, and hope that it just sort of falls on you, right? But it's a pursuit, and as we're in our, our dating relationship, and some of you in this room are, are dating somebody and you're falling in love with them, and maybe you're, you're Twitter-pated and you hear birds chirping when they come into the room and fireworks go off and you hear, right? When Nikki and I were dating, I mean, it was like a beautiful love story. And really, for me, my heart began to turn to her and all jokes aside when she came in and sang. And I just fell in love with her voice. You ever heard her sing? Woo. Praise God. And it wasn't only her voice, but anyways. And I just, my heart was drawn to to her spirit and what God was, and I felt the Lord drawing me there, but she was dating somebody, and I think I had a girlfriend at some point, and and just, it didn't didn't work out timing-wise. And and when we finally came together, we had this beautiful love story, and when you are madly in love with somebody, especially when you've decided I'm going to make that person my spouse, you begin to, to come face to face with temptation. Yep. And there is sexual tension. And you should be attracted to the person that you're going to marry, right? Amen. There should be sexual tension and attraction to that person. If there, if there isn't, there's a problem in that relationship. And so we definitely had that, and we had to learn how to navigate that because, I don't know if you know this, but any sexual relations outside of biblical marriage is a sin. We'll say that again. Any sex outside of biblical marriage is a sin. Last year in Fort Worth, we were doing a Q&A, and I was third service, and we were watching it back on the screen, and Pastor Landon and Heather were talking about it, our, our pastors there in Fort Worth, and they said the same thing, any sex outside of marriage is a sin. And I hear behind me this young woman, and she just yells out, oh, shoot, except she didn't say shoot. Her language was much more colorful. It was in that moment I knew this was the first time she ever heard that before. And I know it was going through her mind. I knew I should have stayed home from church this morning. I should have never come. I would have never known that. And I could just, I was just thinking about the conversation she was going to have with her boyfriend later on in the day and the language that was going to come out of his mouth when he told her. One of the top five moments I've ever had in church. It was amazing. But any sex outside of marriage is a sin. Yeah. Um, one of the things that actually happened with us when we were, um, we were actually engaged and we were going to a conference and there was a lady that we were going to be staying with. And when we arrived, she informed us, this woman's Christian, loves the Lord. She informed us that she had prepared a room that if we wanted to stay together, she trusted us and knew that we could just, we could go stay in the room together. You're already engaged. And I remember that moment because my background was not the same as his. He was raised in church. I was not. I had relations before him, and he had saved himself. And we, there was an opportunity. So what is, what is, the, what is the decision that you're going to make in this moment? Because we are. We're engaged. We're going to be married. It would be easy. You know, okay. And out of his mouth came, no, absolutely not. And when he said that, there was something that happened in me that healed me and delivered me. 
because he stood up for the purity in our relationship and valued what was going to happen beyond the walls of marriage. That this was intended for marriage and it's so beautiful when you wait for marriage. And he, just his response healed me. But would it have been easy? Yeah, but you don't ever go up to the line, to the very edge and say, what can I get away with? Because the devil is real and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And there is something so powerful about marriage that he wants to wreck it before you even get into it. One puts a thousand and two puts 10,000. And that bond of marriage is powerful. That's right. And that, that, and purity must be pursued. Yes. It's not something that happens to you accidentally. And we hear this a lot when we're counseling younger couples and they'll say things like, I fell into sin, yeah. right? Like I, I, we accidentally, we got in this position. Let me tell you something. Oops, I've tripped. never seen somebody go out to dinner and be in front of other people and have a nice meal and begin to court each other and get to know each other and be surrounded by others and have accountability and accidentally have sex at the restaurant right? It's never <laughs> happened. Do you know when you fall into sin is when you set yourself up yep. to make temptation become easy. Yep. It's when you decide, you know what, we're going to go back to her house, her apartment and be alone and, and watch movies and spend Just the Netflix next... Just and chill. Right, exactly. <laughs> we're going to spend the next four or five hours together alone and there's no accountability and, no, and then you go, oh my gosh, we fell into sin. Well, duh, exactly. right? This is what happens when you set yourself up in those situations. So you want to prepare your marriage and your relationship, your future marriage for success. Yes. And you do that by drawing lines and boundaries, not by saying, is it a sin for you to go and watch a movie in somebody's apartment together? Absolutely not. There's nothing wrong with that. Is it dangerous? Absolutely. Yes. It's dangerous. It's absolutely dangerous. Because once you light that fire, baby, it's very hard to get it to turn <laughs> off. Right? And so it's, it's just foolish. It's just foolish behavior to set yourself up and get you in, yourself in that situation. And gentlemen, I want to speak to you. If you are dealing with lust and temptations, I don't mean that you're attracted to the woman that you're falling in love with yeah. and that maybe you're engaged to be married to. That's beautiful and normal. I'm talking about you're dealing with lust and temptation and you're overwhelmed with sexual temptation. Let me tell you something. Marriage doesn't fix that. Marriage doesn't fix your addiction to porn. Marriage doesn't fix your sexual addiction. Marriage doesn't fix that, the fact that sex has overcome and overwhelmed your ability to have a normal everyday life. Marriage will simply magnify that problem. Yep. It won't fix it. There are so many couples we meet with where the man is demanding an unreasonable amount of intimacy from his wife because he thinks that more sexual relations with her will fix my lust problem. And it doesn't work. You've got to fix that problem with the Holy Spirit before you enter into marriage or it will simply magnify. And those of you who are in a marriage that are dealing with it, there is hope for you today. Yes. There is hope for you this morning. Yes. God can and will deliver you from sexual temptation and lust. He'll deliver you from pornography. Tell somebody. Yes. Be vulnerable reveal it talk to your spouse begin to build trust with one another begin to open up and god will heal your marriage he will strengthen and fortify your relationship and this is the year of dunamis power we got it it's on the back of my shirt but this is the year of dunamis power the, the 2023, the word of the year is dunamis. And one of the things that we are believing God for, one of the prophetic words over this house, is that this year we will strengthen and fortify this house, this church, and your house, yes. every area. And somebody asked the question, how do I strengthen and fortify my marriage? Well, the first way or one way is to begin to deal with the selfishness in your life. I want to read James chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. This is the CEV version. It says, why do you fight and argue with each other? Just squeeze your spouse's hand. Why do you fight and argue with each other? Isn't it because you're full of selfish desires that fight to control your body? You want something you don't have and you'll do anything to get it. And sometimes that something is just being right. Yeah. Do you have the meekness and humility? Do you have enough meekness and humility in your marriage to be wrong? Do you have enough meekness 
and humility in your marriage to lose a fight that you could possibly win? It says, but you will do anything to get it. You'll even kill, but you still cannot get what you want and you won't get it by fighting and arguing. You should do what? Pray about it. Yet even when you do pray, your prayers are not answered because you pray just for selfish reasons. But we are called to prefer the other person over ourselves. We are called to look at marriage as what can I do to serve my spouse? Um, One of the things that the Lord spoke to me, I used to keep in my mind all of these things that he was doing wrong to me. I didn't write it down. I didn't have a running list. But whenever we would get in a fight, I would let him know all of the things that he's done. (laughs) Just throw it in his face. This woman has a memory. Husbands, can I get an amen? (laughs) Women have memory for details. I can't even begin to tell you. She'd be like, on January 27th at (laughs) 3.24 p.m., you said, and I quote, such and such, such and such. It was six years ago, exactly <laughs> to the day. Do you remember that? No. I, of course I don't. Wait, you don't remember? You can't remember what time we're going to dinner, but you remember that from six years ago? It's amazing. Yes. Well, anyways. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I, w- I would throw it in his face, all these different things, and instead the Lord convicted me and he showed me, wait a second, is he not my son? Is he, does he not have a calling in this earth? And if you're his wife, why are you not calling him higher? Not telling him you need to do X, Y, Z, but why aren't you sowing seeds of love into him and belief into him? So the Lord had me for an entire season and still today to really recognize that he's the son of the most high king. And if I really understood that, we have a value of honor at mercy culture. And that's assigning heaven's value to him. And no matter any mistake, any, anything that we can do wrong, he's a man of God. And I know that he seeks the Lord and I know that he goes in and he has daily encounters. And so my job as a wife is to call things out as if they were, even when you're not seeing them yet. There's a scripture. Um, she pulled it up for me just a second ago. What is it? Sorry. It is in Corinthians. And it says, and if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him for the unbelieving husband has been, has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through their husband. Otherwise the children would be unclean, but as it is, they are now made holy. And what that is saying is by your actions and by your witness, even if your husband is not saved, They will be saved by the way that you treat them and the way that you call them higher. So my job is to assign heaven's value to him and to honor him as a man of God, even if I'm not seeing it yet. And I literally watched before my eyes the things that I wasn't seeing him just to begin to do. And I wasn't hounding him. I wasn't telling him, hey, man of God, you need to go take out the trash. I would just praise him. I know it's funny, but I would just praise him like, you're such a good husband. You really provide for our family. You really take care of our family. You always make sure that I'm taken care of and that things are done around here and just begin to speak things into existence. And he rose to it because that's who he is. That's who he was created to be. So wives begin to call your husbands higher by what you speak over them. Yeah. Begin to look at marriage as not what can I get from this person? And what do they owe what can me? I give them? And we, we look at marriage the way that a lot of people look at society today in this. Yeah. Uh, it's a rights-based society. So the highest level of currency that we have in society today is a victimhood status. Everybody's fighting to see what level of victimhood status they can possibly get to. And so we often transfer that cultural phenomenon over into our marriages. And we are saying, what does this person owe me? I have a right to this. I have a right to that. Last week, I washed three dishes. So this week, or she washed three dishes yesterday. I'm going to only wash three dishes today. And she changed a diaper yesterday, and I'm going to change one diaper today. And you just changed a poopy diaper. That's worth, that, you, that means that's two pee-pee diapers, Right. <laughs> And we're fighting for this even. And husbands, when you have children, don't tell your wife that you can't change a diaper. 
Yeah, she called me on that real quick. <laughs> he tried to tell me that he couldn't change a diaper. Oh, I feel sick. I said, oh, okay. Went in the other room, grabbed a trash can, said, here you go, sweetie. You can throw up in this and continue to change the diaper. <laughs> I got over it. He did. But it's this fight for this even Steven, and I've got to write, and I've got to do this. Here's the best piece of advice I ever received, and I give it to people all the time. If you can ask yourself every morning in a marriage, when you wake up, what do I owe the person laying next to me? What are my obligations to this woman? What am I obliged to do for her? What does the Bible say? In Philippians 2, verse 3, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Do what? Nothing. Say nothing. Nothing. From selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. One of the problems that we have in the church world is that when we are looking for biblical guidance to marriage, we only search the Bible for scriptures that relate to marriage. We look for scriptures that are talking about marriage relationships. But how many know every scripture in the Bible relates to marriage? Yes. This scripture in Philippians chapter 2 isn't just about a marriage. It's talking, but it relates to your marriage. You're still called to do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. You're still called to walk in humility, to prefer your spouse above yourself. And when you're called to do that, you prefer them above yourself no matter what they've done to you. You're not keeping a record or wrong. We hear this a lot. I've fallen out of love with this person, right? I don't know how I fall in love. Like love is a ditch that one falls into or falls out of accidentally. When the Bible talks about love and the Bible describes love, he never once uses an emotion. He never once describes an emotion. The Bible's definition of love is a list of behaviors, This is how you're to treat somebody if you love them or if you want to love them. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love what? Never fails. So while I don't feel loving, I don't care. Come on. What are you feeding yourself with? I thought of this earlier when we were talking about this. Who are you talking to? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Wives, if you're going over to your girlfriend's house and you are running your husband down, that is sin. You are gossiping, you are slandering, and you are partnering with a spirit of division, which is his witchcraft. That's right. So many believers leave their homes, are frustrated with their spouse, and go talk to a person who has a miserable, horrible marriage. And you know they do. They don't like their spouse. If It's probably their third spouse. They don't like them. They're miserable. They don't have daily encounters. They don't have wisdom. They're not walking with the Lord. And then you go and run down your husband or your wife to them. And then you hear their advice and take it into your spirit. Mm -hmm. You know what that's called? Foolishness. That's called foolishness. You don't share with foolish people and, and seek wisdom from people who don't have any. Nope. My mother used to tell me, girl, uh-uh, don't come to me. You go back home and you speak to your husband. You tell him yeah. what is going on, what you're feeling. Be authentic with him. Tell him what's hurting your feelings. Tell him, talk to him, but don't you come talk to me. The Bible tells you how to handle conflict. Yep. It's in Matthew chapter 18. Yes. It says, go to that person first. Yep. Begin to deal with them. You can have people in your life that you bring in involved, but not if yes. you haven't talked to your spouse first mm-hmm. and try to deal with that and say, I'm going to get my flesh under control. I said this before, nine times out of 10, every argument that we have is fixed in a daily encounter. Yes. I go before the Lord. The Lord says, get it together, son. It's your fault. You're being selfish. You're being prideful. He does tell him that. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I can't even say anything because it's true. (laughs) I'll always go to Nikki and I'll I'll call her on the phone. I'm like, I'm sorry. I haven't eaten in five weeks. (laughs) Last week I did it like two days before the fast was over. I was like, babe, I'm sorry. I was short with you. I was snippy with you. I'm just really hungry. (laughs) We got three days left, man. I can can get it. I laughed. And she laughed. It was funny. She laughed. She laughed. She let it go. No, he was mean to me. I'm not letting go. Right. 
Why? Because we're trying to get even. We've bought the lie that marriage is a 50-50 pursuit. It is not. You read it in books. You see uh, self-help gurus talk about it. Marriage is 50-50. Marriage is 50-50. If I hear it one more time. (laughs) Marriage is not 50-50. Nothing in life is 50-50. Some days marriage is 70-30. Some days it's 40-60. Some days it's 95-5. And some days it's 50-50. You never know. But you have an obligation to your spouse. And you have an obligation as a believer and as a Christian to die to your flesh and to seek the Lord and to seek his presence, not to try to find 50-50. But there's this lie of balance. I think I'm going to preach a message called the lie of balance. There's this pursuit of balance in everything. And we hear it in raising children, especially those people that are in ministry. A lot of you serve in this house diligently. And we hear from people all the time, how do you balance your family and your ministry? How do you balance work life and family life and all of these things? We don't. Right. I know some, somebody's like, what? We don't. We integrate ministry into our family. Yeah. We don't compartmentalize our lives. We integrate. So our children... Seasons look different. It just looks yeah. different. And some seasons are busier than other seasons. But our children are part of our ministry. Yes. They're here with us. They came to Solemn Assembly. We came every single night of Solemn Assembly and worshiped in this cold tent at the beginning of January. And it was awesome. And it was amazing, wasn't it? <laughs> every night. And our kids had to get up and go to school and do all those things. And you know what they said when it was over? Man, we don't have Solemn Assembly. Please, we want to go back to Solemn Assembly. We love it. Why? Because we have set the atmosphere because we're the parents. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. You're the parent lead. Sometimes you have children who hate coming to church and you wonder why, and, but you get in the car after church with their little ears in the back seat and you bash your pastor. You get in the car after church with their little ears in the back seat and you're talking about your serve team director. I can't believe he preached that message again. I've already heard it before. I can't believe that they forgot to schedule me on PCO yet again. I can't believe that this happened and that happened. And did you see what she was wearing? And did you see what he said? And did you see the look that they gave? And it's negative and negative and you're talking about people. And then you wonder why your kids don't want to go to church. Ooh. It's because mom and dad have done nothing but talk negatively. And then maybe you don't later on, but that's what your kids are hearing. You've got to guard their hearts and their ears to love the house of God. We say to our children all the time, church, we live the best life serving Jesus. We have the most fun being in God's house and serving the Lord. And it works. It works. Somebody asked this question. I love it. They said, do we still fight? We float around with the cherubs and birds are chirping and singing and we're so madly in love with each other. We are madly in love with each other. 100% of the time. (laughs) We fight. The answer is yes. We do fight. During solemn assembly, there was this moment somebody was praying and they were leading the couples in, in prayer and we had this moment together. And it was this beautiful moment looking at each other's eyes. And Darielle was like, ooh, Pastor Les, passing, having a moment on the front row. Some people see that and think that that's what it is all the time. Um, it is not. We are passionate people. Very passionate people. Both of us, which makes for a very Fiery. passionate marriage. We have daily encounters. Can I get a good amen? There are different kinds of daily encounters. All right. Jesus. Mm. But we also fight and argue. Ephesians chapter 4:26 says, "Be angry." But we can't end it there. It says, "Be angry and do not sin. Yeah. Do not let the sun go down on your anger." Listen, married couples, it's okay to be angry. It's not a sin to be angry. It's human emotion to be angry, and you've got to be okay with that. But don't get up at 3 a.m. and yank the blankets off the bed and say, "Get up and fight with me." Because I did that. Yeah, she did. (laughs) The sun is not going down on our anger. I'm weaponizing the word of God. Get up and fight with me because you're not going to lay over there and so peacefully go to sleep while I'm over here stirring because you didn't finish the fight with me. Yeah, don't do that. We've moved on from that behavior. It was early in our marriage. But (laughs) we can be angry. We can have these emotions and learn to deal with them. 
I'm going to be vulnerable with you guys. When we were first married, I had a, uh, some, some baggage from my childhood and from my early life. My parents, I come from a, a broken home. My parents were divorced when I was 10 years old. And it was a very, very contentious and difficult divorce. Court, court battles, and it went on for years. And uh, there were custody disputes, and it was really, really ugly. And there was infidelity in the marriage, and I saw uh, what it did to my father, and he became a shell of the man that he was before. And he was so broken, and I saw him just lose a ton of weight and fall into depression and just become so incredibly broken. And somewhere along the way, I made an inner vow that I would never love somebody so much that I would give them the power to break me like that. And so we would have arguments and fights, and I would just shut down. Instead of leaning into that space and learning how to deal with the emotion, I viewed tears and emotion as a tool of manipulation. What did I do? I took baggage from my family and projected it onto my wife. I made her pay for things and behaviors that she never operated in. I believe, I don't believe, I know the Lord spoke to me that there are many people in this room that are taking behaviors from your parents or from models that you've seen earlier in your life and you are projecting that onto your spouse. And today God's going to set you free. Yes. He's going to set you free from blaming them for things that they never did to you. And what I did was I began to assign motives to my wife that were not in her heart. So I thought when she cried, oh, this is just a tool of manipulation against me. I thought when I felt hurt, I better put up walls. I better make sure that she can never get so close to me that she can hurt me like I saw the hurt in my family. And so what does that look like? It looks like finding reasons to be angry with them. Finding some reason to put distance between your heart and theirs. And she just stopped me one day. And I think we were out to dinner. And we had just, there was just this underlying tension in our home at all times, just this underlying tension and difficulty and fight. And she just stopped me and she said, I love you. I'm not leaving you. I can have emotion and it doesn't mean it's unhealthy. You can have emotion and it doesn't mean it's unhealthy. You're going to be okay. We're not going to, and she grabbed me, and I remember that moment of her sticking her neck out and being vulnerable with me and calling those things out of me. I just broke. I started bawling, and I had a moment of deliverance that really set me free, and our marriage looked different from that point forward, and I said, you know what? I don't want my tombstone to read at the end of my life he never got hurt. Yeah, that's good. He lived a safe life. I want, I want to be remembered as a man who loved and was loved with everything that is within him. And if you're going to love and be loved like that, you've got to be okay with being hurt. And know that Jesus heals all wounds. Yes. And that he's got you. And so now I can proudly say, if she ever left me, it would devastate my entire life. I'm not fearful of that anymore. I don't worry about that anymore. It's not a thought that crosses my mind. But I have so fully given my heart to her that I've opened myself up and, and decided that the risk far outweighs the reward of a fully loving relationship. And so we learned to be comfortable with emotion. And I learned how to truly walk out Ephesians chapter 5. And we're still learning how to walk this out. A lot of men like to quote Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't know it, you'll know it when I start saying this. Wives, submit to your husbands. That is one of the most weaponized scriptures on planet earth. Wives, submit to your husband. You better submit. I used to tell her all the time. Didn't I? You better submit. I got a letter. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot you about did. that. You wrote a letter one time. 
<laughs> wow, I forgot about that. I burned it. I don't keep record of wrong. I can imagine. But I did remember that just now. Apparently you do. That is funny. <laughs> I can't imagine reading that letter now. I would die laughing. How stupid. You will submit to me. It must sound. She's like, give me something to submit to. <laughs> For real. Just a foolish little boy. But Ephesians chapter 5 says, wives, submit to your husbands. Well, guess what? There's more to that scripture, yep. gentlemen. It says, and husbands, love your wives as what? As Christ loved the church. Be willing to lay down your life for her. But all of that scripture in Ephesians chapter 5 begins with this phrase. Submit yourselves one, one to, another. to another. It means die to your flesh. It means ask yourself, what do I owe this person? Yes, and once... He's literally, we didn't call it daily encounters then. We would just, this is how we pray. When he would go into his closet and then he would come out and be authentic with me and tell me these things and have these encounters with the Lord and lead us and I trusted him, submission is so easy. And submission has been such a dirty word in church because it has been misused so much. But submission is a blanket. It is a covering and it is a promise from the Lord it is a blessing and it is a gift to come under his authority that I am covered no matter what happens. So what if we make the wrong decision? We are covered because he submitted to the Lord first and I'm submitted to him. And leadership doesn't look like always being wrong, right, right, gentlemen. Leadership looks like admitting when you're wrong. Yep. If you want Mike, you've got to be meek. When Jesus came to do the mightiest thing the world has ever known, to take the keys of death, hell, and the grave, to once and for yes. all defeat the power of sin and bring the possibility of eternal life to all people, what did he do? He humbled himself. He was born in a lowly manger. Yeah. He became a servant to all. He walked in meekness to step into might and authority. If you want to lead your wife, be meek. If you want to lead your life, be humble. If you want to lead your wife and children, admit when you're wrong. If you want greater intimacy in your relationship, if you want greater sexual intimacy, be meek and be humble. Admit when you're wrong. One of the top questions we got is, how do I communicate to my spouse that I want to have more sexual intimacy? That's an awkward conversation. How do I do it? Well, my first question back to you is, how are you talking to her throughout the rest of the week? Are you barking orders? Are you being hateful? Are you not emotionally available? Are you shut off? Do you not listen to her? And then you wonder why she doesn't just, you know, get so excited when you come home and just want to respond to your sexual advances. No, she, she's mad at you, <laughs> bro. She, she's mad at you. <laughs> that same goes for women, though, too. Same thing goes for women, if too. If you are nagging, there's a scripture that says a woman is like a dripping faucet. He's not going to want to pursue you either. I saw this video. It goes this, both ways. This woman said she was on the phone with Jesus. She said, Jesus, I was reading in the Bible that it says it's better for a man to live in a desert than to be in a house with a nagging wife. Is it just any desert I should drop him off at or do you have one particular? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so funny. But if you want sexual intimacy in your life, yep. it begins long before the yes. bedroom. Yes. It begins through trust, through vulnerability, through honesty, through serving one another, through submitting yes. yourself and wives, be one a to another. Person, a right. trusting partner that your husband can come and say, "Hey, I'm dealing with this. He came to you to tell you. Be the one on the other side that is the one that's going to fight for him, captivate him." You're going to fight for him to be whole, to be delivered, to be set free. If you would do that for your child, how much more would you do that for your spouse? This is not just an arrangement so I can have children and love my kids more than I do my spouse. Our children know that this man comes first. They will grow up. They, the Bible says they will depart from their family and have their own relationship. It's biblical, but this relationship comes first. And gentlemen, your wife, is, your wife does not have responsibility for your purity. Yeah. If you're That's struggling good. with pornography, it's not your wife's fault. 
You say, well, if she would sleep with me more, I wouldn't have to do this. Well, if you would stop being a stubborn mule and be honest with your wife, be kind, be gentle, treat her like Christ loves the church. If you would be open and vulnerable and honest and build trust with her, she would want to be intimate with you. If you would take a shower before you came to bed, I'm not, listen, I'm telling you. This is just real and truth. Some of y'all be working out all day and then come home and say, ooh, I would love to. No, no. <laughs> Miss me. I wonder why she won't sleep with me, because you're nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Same goes for the women. Yeah. Take a shower. Get the puke off of your shirt from your child. Right. Yes, we know that you are mothering. Right. And that is all beautiful things. But there is a time and a place. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So there's steps to take, and you've got to be open and honest and vulnerable. And a lot of people don't have intimacy in their marriage because you've replaced the intimacy with your marriage with intimacy with your smartphone. Yes. And you've opened up the door to pornography, and now you expect your wife to fulfill that place of pornography, and you are putting expectations on her that this woman of God is never intended to carry. And you can't feel sexual arousal with her because you've replaced it with demonic spirits. Yeah. And I'm not here to bring shame no, against you. this is not you. for shame. This is not for shame. This is that Jesus Today can set you free of that spirit. That's right. Ryan, if you would, come up and just begin to play. The Lord can and will set you free, and he can do it today. He can set us free. And it's not her responsibility to do it. I'm going to challenge you, everybody, men and women in this room today, that this week be open and vulnerable and honest with your spouse. If you want to strengthen and fortify your marriage, then you must be intentional about that pursuit. You must destroy the idol of comparison in your life. The, early on when we were married, I, you, I told you guys I grew up in a ministry home. And I had these ideas of what my wife was supposed to be and how she was supposed to act. And I had built this, what I found was an idol. This is who she's supposed to be. And I kept trying to make her into that. It was really, honest to God, it was stupid stuff. It was like dumb things that don't matter. I kept putting that on her. You need to do this. And and I would get frustrated with her and frustrated with her. Until the Lord began to walk me through tearing down that facade that I had built up in my mind. And he began to show me the gift that he gave to me in this woman. And instead of focusing on what I felt like she didn't give and she didn't have, I began to see what she did have. Began to thank thank her for those things. And just as she calls out things in me, I call out things in her. And what used to frustrate me has become an endearing part of her personality. I used to want her to be administrative. My wife is a lot of things. She is not administrative. Not administrative. That ain't her. It's not, not going to happen. I used this to want a glorified her to, camera. Right. Oh, yeah. I used to want her to do, you know, keep, do this. I did, just stuff in the <laughs> office and then do that. And I just laugh now. It's funny. It's cute. It became endearing. The things that she's good at and what she adds to my life, nobody else can do. Nobody mothers, spiritually mothers like this woman. If I had a nickel for every person that said, your hugs have healed me, I can't even begin to tell you. She pastors so beautifully. Anybody can, back then, file my paperwork. But it's what God had placed upon her heart. How she healed broken spaces in my own life. But we've, it's been a journey. We've pursued it pursued spiritual health. We've done it with great intentionality. Bring this culture that's in this house into your home. 
If you're on the serve team in Slack every week, we send out a cultural element of the week. Talk about it with your children. Talk about it with your spouse. It's not just something great that we came up with. It's literally biblical and it refines us. It's heaven's culture. And we ask each other, how am I doing in the area of honor? How am I doing with feedback? Can you rate me? Can you help me? Can you give me feedback? Tell me on a scale of one to 10 how I'm doing. And you gotta not be offended. Learn to receive it and grow and get better. You receive it with humility and teachability. That's right. We're going to put some things on social media, some practical steps and we didn't get to. And we have a daily routine that we do with our children that we're going to put out there. And we have a marriage retreat that we go on once a year. And I'm going to put out some of the areas that we talk about and, and pray through at that marriage retreat and how we continue to challenge each other and grow. But what I want to do is take a moment this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. So what I saw in my spirit is Jesus doing personal ministry today right where you're at. So if everybody would, let's stand together. Just bow your head and close your eyes. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away and the new has come. So this morning, this afternoon, Jesus is creating new people in this room. Well, just just hold out your hands in a posture to receive. Holy Spirit, I declare that the pain of yesterday be broken off of marriages. Holy Spirit, I declare that the deceit and the betrayal of yesterday be broken off of relationships and marriages today. God, I pray that just like this scripture says, that wives and husbands will not look at each other through the eyes of the flesh or who they used to be. But when they see each other, they will see the new creation that you have created in them. God, I declare that all things have passed away. Behold, all things are new in the name of Jesus. I just felt today that there was deliverance in the room. There is deliverance from shame, from condemnation. That is not what the Lord has for you today. But he has forgiveness that is so free that he paid the ultimate price for, that he bled and died on a cross so that we could live whole, healthy, healed, delivered, set free, nothing lacking and nothing broken. And today it is free for you. Today there is freedom for your marriage. Today there is freedom even if you are single and you are preparing to be married. There is freedom, there is deliverance. There is forgiveness. I just heard in my spirit that he forgives you. Maybe you've gone too far. But today is a new day. You should have just lay your hands on your own heart. Now that you know Jesus has forgiven you, you need to begin to forgive others. Come on, open up your mouths and just call out names and begin to forgive them. Lord, we forgive our mothers. We forgive our fathers. We forgive them for not giving us what we need. Jesus, we forgive that, that uncle, that family member that took advantage of us when we were children. We forgive that teacher spoke word curses over us. We forgive that pastor, our spiritual leader that controlled and manipulated and hurt us. We release and we forgive. And God, we forgive our spouse this morning. Forgive them for their betrayal. Forgive them for their flesh. We forgive them. 
God, I pray that you would give us new eyes. That when we look at each other, we will see the new creation from this point forward. Dig in your heels in the spirit. Say, from this point forward, we will be healthy. From this point forward, we will be whole. From this point forward, we will be presence-driven parents and spouses. From this point forward, we will prefer one over the other. We will serve each other. We will submit one to another. We will stop projecting yesterday's hurt onto our spouses today. We release it today. We thank you for new relationships and new marriages in this house. And we declare that in 2023, the marriages and relationships of Mercy Culture Church will be the strongest that they've ever been. Come on, just lift your hands and receive it. Say, my marriage, my relationship, my future marriage will be the strongest that it's ever been in Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. Amen. Amen.